Are you in search of a closer relationship with Jesus Christ and a better understanding of the basic truths of Christian faith? If so, please join us for Simple Secrets of the Kingdom, a series of Bible studies developed by Reverend James Otterness and taught by Skip Hedgepeth, board member of Good News Ministries and Bible teacher at Christ Church in Midland, Texas. Hi, I'm Skip Hedgepeth and welcome to Simple Secrets of the Kingdom. This is the 26th or the last in our series of uh, Bible studies on the simple secrets of the kingdom. And thank you for tuning in and watching today. I want you to know if this is maybe the first time you watch Simple Secrets and you're hearing that it's the last one, don't lose heart because I'm going to start the whole thing over next week. So uh, you can tune in at the same time uh, next week and you'll get uh, the beginning of the studies. So thank you for joining us today. And today... I'm going to do just a really brief overview of, uh, before we get into today's study and, uh, and uh, start with how we started in the beginning at, uh, with Simple Secrets. And we started out with the things of first importance and those were the, that Christ had died that for our sins, that Christ was buried, that Christ is risen, and that Christ appeared. And faith comes with evidence. And so those were the most important things. Jesus loves you enough that he died for you for the forgiveness of your sins. He overcame the grave for you, and he, and he uh, was resurrected from the dead. So that's the basic elements of the good news. And then from there, we, we moved into Genesis chapter 1 and started uh, the, the whole body of the study. And in Genesis chapter 1, the main thing we learned there, which really set it up for the whole rest of these studies, is that God creates through an event followed by a process. Event and then process. And so the event of creation began with a loud bang, bang. And then, then there came light. And, and that came out of the Word of God. And God said, let there be light. Light came out of the darkness. And out of the light, He created mass, which is the heavens and the earth. And so we compared what God did to what science revealed and saw that science and, and the scripture, as, as told by Moses for you and me in the book of Genesis, were really not that uh, not far apart. Actually, they tell the same story. Uh, the only uh, exceptions in there is that science talks about evolution, which is uh, the process uh, moved for where, where one of the species of creation evolved into the next. The scripture doesn't show that. It talks about each being created after its own kind. And that link uh, between the species and evolution is still at, by science call, it called the missing link. It's never been proved. And so uh, from there, after the event, God said, uh, let there be light. And then, then mass and creation came out of that light. Then the process continued, and the process was uh, uh, God created the Earth, the blue planet as it's called, as you see it uh, from the astronauts' pictures from space or from the telescopes from space. Uh, we have this beautiful blue planet, totally unique in creation. And so the Earth came, and then plant life, and then followed by sea life, followed by animal life, and then human life, which was made in the image of God. And so God created man and, and put him uh, perfect without sin, put him in a perfect environment, but man didn't stay perfect, and creation was broken and because man believed the word of the destroyer, the devil, instead of the word of God, and he lost faith in his creator. And so 
That was the event that broke our relationship with God. But then after that, God responded with another event. And that event was through the sending of the second perfect man. The second perfect man is Jesus. And Jesus came through the event of his birth in Bethlehem. And then he saved us. The perfect sinless son of God saved us on the cross outside of Jerusalem in his death. And then through the event of his resurrection, uh, he, he overcame sin, death, and the power of the devil for all of us. And then, so for us today, our life in, in God's creation is much like uh, the story of the original creation of God in the sense that it's an event that makes us part of the kingdom of God. It is by grace that we are saved through faith. And through faith in Jesus and through conversion followed by baptism, we are made children of God and heirs of the kingdom of God. That's the event of your salvation. But then after salvation comes that daily process of walking with God. And, and uh, those of you who've been with us through these studies know that we spent time going through the book of Romans and looking at different chapters in Romans talking about uh, the process of our daily walk and growth in Christ. We talked about how our behavior is changed through a process, and that process is called sanctification, which is, simply means being set apart uh, and changed to be like Christ. Uh, we do that through yielding to His power in our life. We do it through turning to Him. You remember we talked about repentance, which just means turning back to the Lord and changing our behavior and changing our minds. And then we talked about how uh, we are transformed by the renewal of our minds in Romans chapter 12. And when our minds are renewed, our actions follow. Uh, then we talked about how we're united together in the family of God, in a new people of God. And uh, we receive a new meal, a holy communion, the body and blood of Jesus that comes to us through the bread and the wine. And we receive a new mission. And that new mission is to go out and tell others about Jesus so that they too might hear the word through us and believe and be part of God's family. And then, so, event and process follows us all the way from the creation in the Garden of Eden to our lives today. So it's no surprise that when we come to the end of time that there's going to be another event which will also be followed by a process. And that event is the creation of the new heavens and the new earth and the destruction of the old heavens and the old earth. We're going to talk about that today. So that's a long introduction to set up what we're doing today. But uh, now let's get into this study. And before we do, we'll go to the Lord and ask his blessing over this today. Father, we love you and we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for the way that uh, you are so consistent throughout the scripture and how that gives us hope and stability in this life and hope for the future, knowing that what you say is what you'll do. So bless us as we study your word today. Enlighten our hearts and our minds about what to expect in the new heavens and the new earth. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to look at what the Apostle Peter has to say about the new heavens and the, the new earth and what's coming at the end for God's creation, and we're going to look at 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. You can follow along at home if you have your Bibles. 2 Peter chapter 3. 
This is now the second letter that I have written to you, beloved, and in both of them I have aroused your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. So let's look at this, and he says he wants us to remember, and this is his second letter that, he, that Peter wrote. We have 1 Peter and 2 Peter in, in the New Testament. This is from the second letter that Peter wrote, and he says, I want you to remember the predictions of the holy prophets, the holy prophets being uh, Isaiah, Elijah, Jeremiah, Moses was a prophet, and others. Remember what they said, uh, and because they prophesied about the end of the world. They prophesied about the creation of a new heavens and a new earth, and, and what he says, uh, what the Lord said that Peter wants us to remember here the Lord Jesus himself said that we should watch and pray for the coming time, for when he comes again to, to create the new heavens and the new earth. And so we watch by living our life as, as knowing as Christians that this life is not all there is, that there's a better life and a life that's coming that's going to be where we spend eternity. And compared to the short time we're on this earth, about 70 some odd years on average for most of us, uh, uh, eternity is going to be so much more significant and so much uh, more a, uh, a part of who we are than the short time that we have here on this world. And so the Lord said to watch and pray, and he, and he said that you will not know the day or the hour when he comes. And so Peter says, remember these things. Remember what the prophets say. The prophets testify that, that the Lord is coming again to, re, to create a new heavens and a new earth. And Jesus says to be alert and watch and, uh, because we don't know when it's going to come. So let's keep going. We're going to look at, at verses 3 through 7 in 2 Peter chapter 3. Peter says this, first of all, you must understand this, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own passions and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things have continued as they were from the beginning of creation. They, deliber they deliberately ignore this fact, that by the word of God, heavens existed long ago, and an earth formed out of water and by means of water through which the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist have been stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. So, Peter says, understand this. In other words, uh, pay attention, because this is important. Understand this, that scoffers are going to come in the last days, the days before his coming. And what the scoffers are going to say is where is the promise of his coming? Really, what, what Peter is telling us from that is that the further we get uh, apart or, or down the road from the ascension of Jesus into heaven, the more people uh, begin to scoff about the idea that he's coming again. The reason is very simple. Time has passed. It's been over 2,000 years now. Where is he? Unbelievers a lot of times will say. If he's coming again, why hadn't he come? Why is he taking so long? Uh, the sun keeps going up and the sun keeps going down day after day after day for 2,000 years uh, times 365 days. 
this has happened. So uh, we can count on the sun coming up and down, but uh, we can't count on his coming. That's what unbelievers will say a lot of the time. So where is he if he's coming? And Peter goes on to say that scoffers ignore this fact, that by the word of God the heavens exist, the water and, by the water and word the earth was formed, the earth was deluged in the water uh, with water and it perished. What they mean by this is that the earth didn't exist and then one, at one moment in time, God spoke it all into existence with simply a word of his mouth. God said, let it be, and then it was. There was nothing, then there was creation because God in his will moved to act. So if God brought it all into, into existence just by a word of his mouth and an act of his will, God will also take it out the same way by a word of his mouth and an act of his will. And he said, and he uses an example, the days of Noah. And he said, when he says that the, uh, the earth was deluged with water and perished. Uh, what he means by that is that uh, there were scoffers in the day of Noah. Noah was out building the ark. And his neighbors were running around ridiculing him, making this huge boat in the middle of the dry land as though uh, there was going to be a, a lake all of a sudden out there. And, but, uh, but they scoffed, but God, with a word of his mouth and an act of his will, sent the flood. And the, the, the story of the flood is not just a story that came out of Moses' imagination when he told this story. Uh, there is geological evidence of a great flood that took place. And there are st flood stories about the flood in other, uh, in other ancient writings. And so, so this was not just some kind of a fairy tale. God acted in his will and sent a flood to wipe out humanity. And, uh, and the point is, remember the day of, of Noah, scoffers were there just like scoffers are here today. And so God is going to act. And he says that by the word of God and fire, the heavens will be destroyed. If you'll remember after the, 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 uh, uh, the flood with Noah, after the, uh, the ark came to settle on the mountain, then God said that he had never destroyed the earth again by water. And he set his bow, the rainbow in the sky, as evidence of that. But, for, uh, but then he said the next time the earth would be destroyed with fire. And that's what we're talking about today. What happens to the heavens and earth when Jesus comes again? So today, instead of scoffers, we have warriors. Uh, because back when, back when this happened, uh, and when Peter wrote this down, uh, they didn't have any idea about how matter can be destroyed. They thought that all matter was indestructible back then. And now we know that matter can be wiped out. And a nuclear explosion can do that. And we have atomic bombs that can wipe out creation. We have biological warfare that can kill all living things on the planet, although that may not destroy the actual matter of the earth. And then one of the things that we have so much today going on, uh, and, and people who are worried, it's about global warming. They think that uh, somehow or other the earth is going to be wiped out by global warming. And what the scripture says is that this day that comes is going to be an event. It's going to be an event that comes about by the word of God and an act of God's will. It's not going to be some kind of a gradual destruction by man of creation that God is talking about. 
there may be global warming. But uh, that's not what this scripture is talking about. This scripture is talking about a day in the future when God will act and destroy this earth and these heavens that we see today and create a new one. So let's get a little bit more from 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 10, and we'll see what Peter has to say next. But do not ignore this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is forbearing towards you, not wishing that any, should that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and the heavens will pass away with a loud noise, and the elements will be dissolved by, with fire, and the earth and the works that are upon it will be burned up. So, Peter says, uh, Beloved, do not ignore this one fact. In other words, when he says, do not ignore, he's saying, I don't want you to be ignorant of this. I want you to listen and know this truth that uh, with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day. Time is not a concern of God because God exists, uh, existed before time and will exist after time. God is eternal. God doesn't measure things in, uh, in the same kind of time units as we do. And so when, you, when people say, why is God taking so long? They don't understand. It's not long to God. A day is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. God will move on the right time in his timing when the right day comes along. God will move. And he says, the Lord's not slow in keeping his promise as some count slowness, but he's forbearing. That means he's patient, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should repent. So, the reason that God has not moved in history uh, before now, the scripture tells us, is because God's being patient in his love for humanity because he doesn't want to come until all people have had an opportunity to hear the, the truth about the gospel. The truth that uh, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved from Romans chapter 10. And so he, God is, is patient and waiting until the day for Jesus to come again and create the new heavens and new earth so that more people can have an opportunity to, to hear and believe. Uh, he doesn't want anybody to perish. And if, if you today are listening and you haven't ever prayed to receive Jesus as your Savior, you need to know this day is coming. And God doesn't want you to perish. He doesn't want you to experience eternity apart from him because he loves you. So he's waiting. He's giving you time, but he's not going to wait forever for you. So if you haven't received Jesus, then receive him now. Believe, receive and believe in him now so that you can have the promise of eternity with him. Uh, he goes on to say, that the day, the day of his coming, will come like a thief in the night. And that just means that it's, he's going to come unexpectedly. And, and so it'll be a day like any other day. Like maybe this day, you're sitting at home watching your TV. Uh, all of a sudden, you could hear that trumpet call of God that Paul talks about in Thessalonians. And Jesus will break through the clouds and come again. And all in one great movement will come and, and resurrect his church to himself 
and he will also create a new heavens and a new earth at the same time. And at that time, uh, the scripture says that the heavens will pass away with a loud noise, the elements will be dissolved with fire, and the earth will be burned up. And that will be a huge event. Uh, an event that uh, of such proportions that uh, nothing has ever been compared to it before, other than maybe creation itself, that moment when God spoke it into existence. The earth will, will be taken out of existence the same way that God spoke it into existence. And um, before, uh, before these days, people never really understood that the earth could uh, actually uh, be destroyed. But now, since the nuclear age, people are paying more attention to that. And so maybe we don't have as many scoffers as we used to have, as we just have worriers, like I talked about before. So, let's look at verses 11 through 13. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of uh, persons ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming day of God? because of which the heavens will be kindled and dissolved and the elements will melt with fire. But according to his promise, we wait for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And so the question is really simple. Since all of these things are to be wiped out, since heaven and earth is going to be wiped out or vaporized one day, notice he uses that language again and again because he wants us to understand this earth is not all there is. But since it's going to be wiped out, what should we do while we wait for that day, is, is Peter's question. What should we do while we wait for the coming day of God and, uh, and hasten its coming, hasten the coming day of the Lord? So we wait, but not just like waiting, uh, sitting back in our chair with our feet up on the desk, not that kind of waiting. The kind of waiting that he wants us to do is to wait uh, in eager anticipation, to be expectant to have one eye on this earth and the things of this earth, but then another eye on the heavens, knowing that he's coming again one day.